Podcast, where Chase Minifield, Dom Joseph, and Max Millian discuss life lessons they've learned as young entrepreneurs in the business world. Join them as they debate current events, business topics, and enjoy a few laughs with their weekly guests. And now for today's show. What's up, what's up? Here we are with another episode of the CTC Podcast, Cut the Check Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Minifield, coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. We have on the line, Dom Joe. What up, Dom Joe? What's up, world? Coming to you live from Philly. You know me? Feeling good, feeling great, happy to be on here. You know what I mean? And we have uh, Max Million on here. What's up, Max? What up, world? Coming to you from Charlottesville, Virginia. Happy Sunday, as always. Hopefully you guys staying socially distant from everybody. Cool. <laughs> and we have a, a special socially distance. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, man. But uh, we have a special guest. We have another rendition of the Who's Where podcast today. We have a UVA grad of O2 coming on the podcast today, Miss Tasha Turnbull. How you doing, Tasha? I am doing A-OK on this Sunday. Thank you all so much for having me on. How are y'all doing? Doing well. Doing well. So we're going to touch on first things first topic of discussion across the country is the coronavirus shutdown, pretty much. Even though I'll be looking, I'm on on Instagram and I'm looking at Dom Joe. He running around like ain't nothing going on. Max is at a party and I'm like, what the hell? What is going going on right here? Am I the only person inside the house chilling? You know what I'm saying? So I I want to see how this thing is affecting uh, you guys' day-to-day. What's up, Dom? Um, First off, uh, I did plan to stay in, man, but you know what? I couldn't, and I was like, outside activity, why not? So we did, We wound up um, training, taking the kids outside and training with them for a couple hours. Yeah, and, I looked on, uh, I looked I on Instagram. Part- I looked on your Instagram profile. You taking a picture with arms wrapped around each other? I'm like, man, what's going on around here? That's the opposite you know? of what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Hey, man, you know, things happen. If I get it, I get it, I guess, but... I'll have you guys know I am taking precautionary measures on my end over here, especially I was watching my niece, my girl's niece this weekend. So we was, you know, extra careful. But uh, business has been a little weird, especially in the engineering firm. I, I thought my dad was about to fire somebody this week, man. He didn't want to come in. And the, all the software we're using for a certain project is only in the computer. And, and he, he, he just suggested to my dad, to to buy him the so- the software so he could work from home. Problem is, nah, he didn't do all that. Hey, that problem, <laughs> that, that, that software three grand a computer. <laughs> three grand a computer. Hey, you better find a way to get in, buddy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Fact, man. Oh so, you man, know, it is slowing things down. Car wash is crazy. We went on Thursday. We watched nine cars the whole day. You know, so it's definitely interesting. But staying alive, man, can't complain. God is good. Max. I feel you. Yeah, it don't, I mean, it ain't really affected me. I mean, so construction going to always happen no matter what because we got deadlines. So if you take more time, you know what I'm saying, that, you can't really be doing that. Uh, you know, investors got their money in it, so they want their money. Um, but we're working on two uh, additions to old folks' homes, and so it's a little bit more stringent there. Like construction guys aren't allowed 
inside and, you know, only essential mm-hmm. personnel is allowed, yeah. uh, you know, on site and stuff like that. So it's affected us a little bit in that sense. But for the most part, we're, we're business as usual. I mean, we had a, a guy who might stay home, you know, but that's about it. Um, when we like to do office work, but for the most part, we're still out there. You know, our deadlines haven't changed and they're not going to, to be honest. I'll, t- I'll touch on it soon because it's, it's, it's touched me pretty tough. Uh, but I'm going to let Tasha jump in here first. So, Tasha, uh, let everybody know what you do first and then tell them how it's affected you. Yeah, so I um, uh, own a fitness company. Uh, my company's name is T2 Fitness. And I have a fitness training uh, facility uh, studio in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. So I have been training for 11 years where we do personal training, uh, boot camps. I host um, nutritional workshops. I'm an author. Uh, I speak a lot of places up and down the East Coast, try to encourage people to um, live their best life, live their healthiest life possible, um, regardless of where they are along their fitness journey. And um, in terms of business right now, it has not uh, affected like day-to-day business um, per se. So I do a lot of personal training um, in the studio and that has not changed because um, although I do small group personal training, it's in, in smaller groups. It's no more than four people at a time. So with four people in the studio training, they have a, a decent amount of space um, to work with. And so you are not on, you have, what is it, six feet um, of space to to work. So it could be up to four, but it could also be two people or three people. So it hasn't affected that. Um, and so I do host boot camps periodically throughout uh, the throughout the year, and I have halted on promoting that because there was supposed to be one that was starting the end of this month on the thirty first. Well, we we will not be having that um, right now. But what I will be having is uh, virtual training. So if for something happens where we need to go on lockdown, I will be doing um, live uh, personal training with clients. So I already have virtual clients. Um around the country, California, Texas, Maryland, D.C. Um, so I already have that, but I will just go to full-scale virtual training um, for the time being. Um, so the good thing with exercise and fitness, you can do that wherever. You can use as little or as a lot of equipment as you want, um, but everything can still be managed um, virtually. Um, but that's where I am right now with my business. It's interesting because, you know, they're saying that the gym is one of the, the most the uh, prominent places to catch the, the virus. Have, they, have you heard any feedback like that yet? Yeah. So like with the uh, gyms, I feel like for sure it could be a place uh, that could be unsanitary. But I'm already I wouldn't say OCD, but um, the studio is it's a boutique studio, so it's smaller mm. and we always clean. <laughs> I, the studio gets clean every day uh, from top to bottom. Um, equipment in the air. Um, so yeah. none of that has changed. Um, so there isn't like profound sweat left places. Mm-hmm. Um, people are always encouraged to wipe down 
everything. And then before I leave, I wipe down um, equipment. I've always, uh, when as soon as I get into the studio, when I leave the studio, I wash my hands. Um, that was before this happened. Um, and so I've always encouraged clients that our immune system needs to be supported um, because people are responsible for a lot um, in their day-to-day lives, family and work. So it's always been encouraged for my clients to be as healthy as possible. So that hasn't, um, T2 Fitness Studios uh, is is not a, a germy place um, at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I feel that. I was, this, so I just got my first workout in here by about two weeks this morning. You know, I got I was just going down to get on the stair mats because uh, in California, my building, my apartment, we got a nice little gym or whatever. And I was like, uh-huh. Man, I, I probably have never got on the stairmaster and wiped it down before I used it. Today was the first time that I never done that down. either. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So you all are people are y'all are the ones that's contaminating gyms. That's what you're trying to say. Probably, but you know, we we yeah. I mean we never. If, <laughs> We grew up in a football locker room, and you know, yeah. we, we oh, never, wipe we down wasn't yeah. a thing. Yeah, we never heard of wipe down in a football locker. Room. <laughs> we never walked around with a spray bottle. Yeah, as a common courtesy, you know, what I'm saying I might wipe the the little bench after I get up if I notice I sweated on it, but that's about it. Yeah. But not with no sp- not with no chemicals. You just wiped it with your, with your towel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, with the towel. Yeah, I wiped with the towel. I just, I'm sorry. I should say dry it off. I dry yeah. it off. Right, I don't right, know if right. I wipe it oh down. my god. <laughs> that's yeah. a, and that's now, a courtesy. Wait, that's so that's not feeling good. <laughs> so what that's about so. washing hands and stuff? So that's After like, the y'all, do you all feel it's 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 new to people the whole washing hands thing? Um, no. No, I I'm gonna bring this, this up often, right now. I think, yeah. you know I'm gonna bring this up right now because, you know, I was at the Sixers game. Was it Wednesday? Right, it was like Tuesday, Wednesday. I was at the Sixers game, and you know, some of my listeners, man, I'm sorry if I offend any of my um, political connects with this comment. But why is it that I go to the bathroom at the Sixers game twice? And the people that aren't washing their hands, walking straight out the joint, walking straight out the bathroom. They all oh white people. God. Is that like a cultural thing? Oh no, they got a special oh my spot gosh. in hell. They got a special spot in hell for them right there. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Yo, oh I counted at least four. I counted at least four. That's four tragic. Times. That's tragic. Yeah, and I'm just that's looking. Tragic. I'm like, bro, like, and that's why I, I that's why I I don't open the bathroom door when I'm done unless I have a paper towel. I open it with paper towel. And if they're not yeah. nice enough to have a trash can next to the uh, next to the door, the paper towel goes right on the floor. And I'm out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I'm just it's, so, it's so crazy because that's the type of stuff that is going to uh, prevent uh, the decrease, um, the spread of this virus for simple things like that. Like, that's so crazy. But I believe I'll, it. I, I do believe people do not wash their hands. That's why all the day gone sanitizer was gone. Like, there is, hey, nobody said anything about soap being gone. But like all the right. the, the wipes and stuff is gone because people are you know you they just want something quick like no you need to be a little thorough in this time can we for once be a little bit more thorough just say it just I mean, just say just you know hot water and soap you know what I mean keep it keep it basic <laughs> you feel yes me? I was uh <laughs> I still haven't found any hand sanitizer that's available um in no place really? that I've been no I haven't found any I'm in oh you in LA though yeah so as soon as I found that that crazy. 
As soon as I found out that you might have to send me some. As soon as I found out that it wasn't gone, <laughs> um, I started looking up. I started looking up the stock. I'm like, who owns? Who owns? Who owns this? Right. I thought about that, and then uh, whoever makes the manufacturer for the mask, I try to look up that joint. But the stock market just shut down. Just shut down. So, right. but how it affected me? Uh, so you know, I do a lot of work with the schools and things like that, and schools are shut down in Kentucky right now. So we got a uh, three week period that is probably minimum right now. So I'll probably pay up to 50 people a week and, you know, they're not going to have no work. And I, and I definitely ain't got no, I definitely don't got the emergency fund. I'm about to talk to Trump about that emergency fund. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you got to get part of, that, part of that nine billion? Yeah, yeah. I need, I need, I need some instructions on that. See, he's talking about people getting uh, all these benefits and things of that nature. So uh, he needs, instead of, instead of saying it, give us the instructions on how to get that, the coins. Yeah. So, uh, um, in that space, so obviously that's gonna cut down a lot. Um, a lot of my contracts, um, as far as with like Waffle House and Cookout, everything we're st- that's still going and things of that nature. But the public school system is shutting down for a little bit, and hopefully it's adding on to the end of the week because, um, or to the end of the year, because uh, obviously you don't want yeah. um, people to miss those school days. And me personally, I, I'm always, I'm always, you know, when I was in school, I say, I was like, man, I'd love to be out this time. Now, since you work for the schools, the schools pay you like, man, they need to be in school. They need to be in school. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That's a thought process right now. But yeah, I got, I, I got 50 people that I pay weekly and I know some for sure some people is probably the only thing they getting paid. So that's, that's, right. that's not a good situation. Um, yeah. and not really, not really sure how we going to handle it yet, but Hey, until Trump gives some instructions, it's just gonna be a. Hey, we gonna figure it out. We gonna figure it out. But you some of this bailout money. Hey, you know it could be longer. You know, it's, it's just three weeks. We got like a pause, like the like the NBA. But it could be longer. You know, it could be a situation if that's if the if the infections and things don't slow down, that you know we get the. Uh, I heard it could be a couple get, months. We get you go past right. it. You know, so yeah, we'll see what happens. And then obviously we we do turn in the summer. And yeah, no. and you know that's a that's probably a uh, a space where you could probably contract uh, if there's any type of big people that's been affected. You probably contract it in the space of doing turnkey, especially thousands and thousands of bedrooms and things of that nature. Um, yeah. So that's an issue um, which which hasn't been discussed yet. Uh, but on the other end, I was going to talk to Dom and Max this week and be like, "Hey, we should put together a little flyer. We should put together a little flyer about uh, coronavirus cleaning." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, we, we come down there. We come down and get some guys that come spray down your door handles throughout the throughout the entire building. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so like that. So um, those type of situations. But other than that, man, I, I do want to talk on the fact that before we get into the depth of this podcast, that I do think I did post on my Instagram today. I do think that is a uh, a positive situation to have, kind of have some isolation. You know, in isolation, you can. There's there's a time frame for things to grow out of this space, and hopefully I want people to really think about like be entrepreneurial in this in this opportunity. So hopefully 10, 15 years down the road, you have businesses that were born out of the coronavirus shutdown, that type of situation. Because a lot of people are, that are going nine to five that get to work at home now are having free time to themselves, and there's really no excuse. Like I don't have the time, I don't have this, I don't have that. Like you really have time now to really. You know, there's no sports on TV. I don't even know what to watch, to be honest with you. That, my whole day yesterday, I bought I bought all the seasons of Martin. I bought all the seasons of Martin yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and just put the things on play. 
and just put them things on play because, like I said, I think I don't know what sports center. I don't know who's watching sports center right now because that's the worst stuff that I've ever seen. I was like, what are y'all showing? First take, they don't know what to debate. Uh, Skip Bell, he don't got nothing to debate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? talking about nothing no more. So um, they got this for about two, three weeks, and you know, so I, I'm pretty much just cutting off TV and doing reruns of old shows and working on potential business opportunities. So. Hopefully, other people in this space are, are are finding that instead of you know video game streaming and stuff like that. I don't even, I, even though I did thought about, I haven't had a video game system in a minute, but I thought about going to get me a, a video game system in this two two week period, get my NBA two K rating back up there. But uh, I ain't gonna do it, man. So I'm just gonna keep on keep on trying to uh, see what's next in, in this situation. So that's a good thing in this shutdown is is some time to to think and grow. Um, and hopefully bring something positive out of this space instead of just a, a down period. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, look at the glass t- half full, man. That's out of, that's out of Dom Joe's book right there. You know what I'm saying? That's out of Dom Joe's book right there. You know what I'm saying? I, I see. I didn't know if you was thinking like that because I see you over there training. You, you have, you, have, you know what I'm saying? You, you and your friends, you know, uh, I actually, I didn't even talk about it. Like I had some public speaking. I had South by Southwest that got canceled. I was supposed to speak at that event. And then I had a startup ground here in LA. That that thing got canceled. So everything's getting white. Uh, everything's getting white, man. And, and everybody's just being forced to stay still. And it's it's okay to sit with yourself. You know, some of the best yeah. growth happens when you sit with yourself. So so I think it's not yeah. a, it's not a, it's not a bad thing. So we're gonna get into this podcast, man. We're gonna learn about Tasha and what she does and how she got to where she's at. So Tasha, UVA grad. Tasha, how did you end up at UVA? How did you end up at UVA? That's my first question I ask everybody. How did you get? How did you end up at the University of Virginia? Uh, I was able to go there for free. Yeah. Did you? Was you looking? Was you, did you? Uh, did you look at any other options? Was there, was, was there any other quick, options? Quick flex on them. Go ahead and flex on them real quick. Um. Yes, I think that that was one of the uh, biggest ones. I had. I also applied to two other schools, Howard and Hampton. Um, and so I'm from Virginia, Hampton Roads area, um, Norfolk. And um, I wanted to go to UVA. I always heard it was like a very good school. And I was interested in business, but I didn't know what field of what field I wanted to go into or what industry. I just knew I wanted to do business. So they had, were known to have a really good um, business school. And um, so did Howard and Hampton. Um, now I was the first person in my family, um, to go to college. Uh, so that being said, also my family did not have any money to provide for me to attend college. So it was all dependent upon me as to, to just to finance me actually going, uh, getting some post, uh, post, post-secondary education. So I got, um, into on three schools, but it was just interesting how I, what came with it. So UVA, they like sent me a packet of information and I received grants and scholarships. I did pretty well in high school. Um, and so they were like, yeah, come on. It was kind of like they rolled out some type of red carpet situation for me. And Howard, um, was much more expensive and they like sent me some information. It was really like, you know, 
yeah, you can come. Um, you just gonna have to, you gonna have to pay first. You gonna have to get a loan. I they didn't provide me any scholarships, um, or grants. And we know it's a private school, so I was like, Ugh. and then in Hampton they sent me like a letter, like it was like one piece of paper. It was like, I mean, you can come if you want to. It was really like, um, well, we're not gonna hold the light on for you, but if you want to come. You just just knock on the door hard, um, and we'll see if somebody wants to, you know, open it for you. And so at that time, even in my life at 18, I was still financially frugal with how this whole money thing works because I was like, well, I'm going to have to pay for this. And by the time I finish college, I'm going to have a hundred K debt. Um, that's just not cute. Okay. It's not cute. Um, so I'm going to go with my original plan, which is UVA. So that's how, um, I got there. And then when I got there, I ended up not getting into, um, the business school, the comm school. It was very competitive. They still, they still and, pull those old tricks. They still pull those old tricks from right. the comm school. <laughs> right. And so I was, so I was like, yeah, I can't get it. And so, um, I'll also say that I was not given my, the, course load um that I received in high school I was not um well prepared as I as prepared as I could for the coursework that um was at UVA um and so in me you know grades and everything like that joint was not the best um at all and even and then come to find out people who made good grades while they were there, they still didn't get into the comm school. Um, so I ended up, what a lot of people do, if they did not get into the comm school. I majored in econ, um, and I also did African and African-American studies. So I double majored in those. Cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, we've heard that before. <laughs> we've heard that before. Uh, <laughs> um, how was your experience there at UVA as far as, like, culturally, um, was it a big shock difference coming from, you know, down down in Norfolk? And how did you how did you uh, how did it I guess how did you grow with it and um, you know experience? How was your experience in four years and just with the culture you yeah. get? Yeah, so it was um, it was a culture shock um, for me, and I even discussed this in my book. Uh, my book is called "The Last Ten Pounds: How the Last Ten Helped Me to Lose a Hundred Pounds." And it just talks about my journey towards losing weight. Because while I was at UVA, I was overweight. Um, I've been overweight, I guess I'd say, through elementary school up. Um, and so that played a role in my journey there because I had very low self-esteem um, because I was overweight. And also in coming from Norfolk, I went to a predominantly black high school, middle school, elementary school, everybody's black. Um, and then we had some Filipinos thrown in there real quick. Um, and then there was like a very small percentage of white people. And so between that and also not having uh, families, people older than me that went to college. So I didn't really have like a lot of, uh, I didn't have any guidance per se, as what to expect. I had a different world, the TV show, I had that. Um, but 
that was a uh, HBCU. But I really didn't have someone to tell me, like, you know, this is what goes on. So I get there, and I'm like, holy crap, it's a whole lot of white people. Now, I um, I don't freak out or anything because I'm pretty low-key. Like, I'm very much in my shell. Um, but the, it was eye-opening to me. I was like, oh, wow, so people are really racist. White people can be racist. They, they can. Um, it was uh, a shock uh, to me. And I'm like, I mean, I'm a nice person. I did. I worked my butt off to get to get here. And um, people, especially during that time period when I was there, so affirmative action was a very much a hot topic, questioning whether or not um, people, uh, black people should be given, quote unquote, preferential treatment to attend. Meanwhile, half of y'all that there have gotten preferential treatment to go there. So I, I don't understand what the problem was. Um, but it was a very, very eye-opening um, experience, uh, to say the least. Um, so, um, but for, for as much um, racism and such a stark contrast of culture that um, was presented to me there and being around a lot of white people, I also found out a lot about um, my culture um, in terms of black people. Like I said, I majored in African and African-American history. And the that program that they had at UVA was very stellar in that uh, the students who were there um, in the 60s and the 50s, they really pushed so that they could learn more about their history. So the way that the AAS is today is because of all of those students who came before uh, us, before we got there, and they pushed. So we learned so much about uh, Africa in terms of the continent and black people in the diaspora, and it made me have a very strong sense of self uh, and blackness and being feeling empowered uh, despite where I am, despite, you know, even at that time period, a lot coming out about Thomas Jefferson um, and how he enslaved Sally Hemings and all. Like, it was a really big thing at that time. Um, so I felt very empowered um, at the same time while just being uh, surrounded by so much, um, so many people who were racist. So it was, it, I had an interesting experience. Would I do it again? Yes, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this was just the greatest and greatest, which I found some black people to feel that way as well. And I'm like, mm, it wasn't like that for me. Um, it was an experience. I would definitely mm -hmm. say it was an experience that I had. No, that makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so, so you, you went through UVA and, um, you know, you went to econ route, wanted to do com, yeah, the comm school, did you have an idea if you wanted to do like start your own business? Was that always in your mind to start your own business um, when you when you got out of school? No, no, I kind of got away from that. I was going to uh, the 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 IT route, so it was what was it? Man, it was called at the time management information systems. Um, so when I got there. <laughs> When I got there, that was the first time ever in my life that we used email. And I was yeah. like, email? What is this? <laughs> like, 
I've never heard this term ever in life. And that's like, it was on the cusp. So I, I was there pretty, you know, like I told y'all, I graduated in 02. That was a long time ago. So I got there in 98. So I didn't have access, regular access to computers um, at that time period. And that's the main way that we communicated. So I was like, this is pretty dope. Um, And if you have, and I'm thinking myself, if I have all this knowledge, like I'm on, I'm on like the front end of like some new stuff. So I want to learn anything information wise. So um, that was what my focus was at the time. Now I had um, got away from business when I was there um, because I, like I told you, I started to develop so much more appreciation for black people and who we are and what we've achieved. Um, I wanted to do something to help better, better us. Um, so I went the type, I was going more of a social route. Um, but then I found out they don't really make money. Um, so <laughs> I was like, um, so I started work, I worked for the government and, because they, it was also during that time period, it was kind of pushed and like you want to get a government job, like a government job, you you get good benefits, so that was important. And so I did that. I went back and got my master's degree, and I was like, "What's the big deal about this government job thing? Like, I mean, you got benefits, but it's boring. Like, I can't sit behind this desk all day. Call that uh, uh, success." So yeah. that's when I took time to write down all the things that made me happy. Um, one of them was sleep, but you know, we can't make money in doing that. So I scratched that off the list. (laughs) And then the other one, uh, one of the other ones was fitness. So I started doing a whole bunch of research into fitness and like, I wonder if there's a way I can make money doing this because I started losing weight at this time. Um, not as much as I did right now not as much as where I am right now, but I started losing weight to the point people are coming up to me like, do you work out? And they started asking me questions. I was like, well, where is there a way that I can make money doing this? Um, And so then I was like, oh, this is the business. This is the business. Um, And so, uh, and so most of my clients, uh, even though this isn't pushed or anything, but most of my clients are black. I would say 97% of my clients are black. So it's like I've kind of matched what I majored in um, to where I am right now. But initially, this wasn't it. It was management information systems. That's what's up. Um, So, you know, you you, like you said, you found a way to get to kind of merging both things. Um, And I feel like you are like, and I'm not sure, but you know, right now, currently, today, at that time, like, it's the cool thing to do fitness, right? Everybody's IG <laughs> model, they have their own virtual programs and all these different yeah. types of things, right, because of social media. Um, how was it starting a fitness company then, and how is it look, How is it different now but when, from when you started it? Oh, it's, like, totally different um, because um, back then, one, there was, like, no social media, like it was, well, Facebook was like just starting and there wasn't virtual stuff going on at that time. Like people were promoting businesses, but it was more so like, just to be like, Hey, this is what I do. Not utilizing it to not capitalizing off of 
the benefits really uh, with doing stuff virtually. Um, so people were still doing a lot of stuff like using that is just like as advertising to get off of social media to sell their product or their service. Uh, so, um, back then that's what it was. Um, and it helped tremendously just like it does then, um, because everybody and a cousin was on it, especially like with Facebook, when Facebook like first popped off, everybody's intrigued as to what it is. Um, so I was able to, I was able to connect with, um, so many people who I would not be able to go into door to door. So now initially when I did start, I, so in terms of where I live in Norfolk, Virginia beach is called Hampton roads or the seven cities. So we have about seven cities that are very, you know, connected to one another. So I really remember when I first started my business, like traveling to about four of the cities, just going places, leaving my business card places. And I actually created like a a little postcard and it had my picture on it and my phone number. And that was like severe to me because I was like, holy crap, I'm about to leave my face. And my number, which is private, but I had to open it up because I wanted to start this business. So this is, I was like, this is huge for me. And I'm like still trying to come out of my shell as a person. I found out that in order to the type of business that I want to do, like I have to put myself out there. I got to put myself on. Um, So I had to do a lot of going like handshaking. Hello, my name's Tasha. Like I'm like a door-to-door salesman, like, so this is something that I was thinking about before. I'm like, people can just be like, hey, she lost weight. I want to work out with her. Like, no, you will actually have to put in some some work work. So I like go to different, you know, different cities, different like restaurants, barbershop, nail shop, um, just leaving stuff to let people know that, that I'm here. Um, now, you ain't got to do none of that. Like, you can just sit... <laughs> <laughs> just be anywhere on your phone and like type in some stuff. Like you put up a quote and yeah. like uh, some doing a couple reps and be like, holla at me. Like what? Like it's just <laughs> like, you don't need, you don't even need to, you don't even need to provide information or expertise. You can just yeah. like flex or just show oh, everybody can do it. Bouncing yeah. up and down you know, doing squats and, oh, she knows what she's doing. Like it's, it's so watered down. Um, and I personally don't like it because it devalues, um, what actual, you know, what real work and what real passion, like, you know, real trainers have. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely understand, I definitely understand that because I was like, you know, and this was like a couple of days ago, I was scrolling on my Instagram page. I'm like, bro, it has to be about out of the out of the like the percentage of women on the uh Instagram, I would say it's a good percentage of them are fitness, fitness focused. You know what I'm saying? And they and yeah. they and they go into that to that realm. Uh so it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I would I would like to see numbers on that as far as how many people are pushing fitness on Instagram and how many of them are right are really qualified to do that. Um, so that's what I was getting at because I know it had to be different than 
and and now. Um, but but I like how you said you you know you hit the ground running, got your hands dirty. First of all, that sweat equity. You know, I was talking to somebody recently. I was actually speaking to some kids, and they were, and I was like, the more you put in it, it's going to be hard for you to put it down. So now you've been in right. business for you know since 2011, and you've scaled your business. So so from the first time, so give us some of the. Um, you know, the beginning, the beginning pain points, how did you start? Um, and how did you get your first clients? I know you said you was door to door, but you know, what are some of the, some of the success points in the beginning? And then how did you scale your company to get to where it's at now? You said, what were the, uh, what you said, what were some of the success points in the beginning? Yeah. Is that what some you the, said? Yeah. Some of the happy times, some of the things where you were like, all right, I feel like I'm getting somewhere now. Like I'm getting some traction. Like what are some of the things that were, that stand out to you as like pivotal moments that you realize that, you know, this could be something that could, that I could live off of? Um, when, I guess, well, when more clients came, well, one of the first ones is when I got like my first one to three clients. Cause I was like, and these people did not know me. Um, I, they just found out about me through a friend or family member. Cause I literally wrote down on a piece of paper, everybody whom I know. And I mean, I was, I wasn't super popular, but I'm from this area and I wrote down all the people I know. So I made sure to tell all of them to tell at least five people, um, about this and so about what I'm doing. And so these people, people just started hitting me up. So I had, I remember I had like three or four clients and I was like, holy crap, they really want to train with me. Now, mind you, um, I put up my before and after picture from time to time. Um, but I was very, like I said, I was still cautious because I wasn't comfortable with showing my before picture. So those are, those are pretty regular now, but I was still self-conscious of the fact of like, this is how I used to look and people judging me and stuff like that. So I was, I didn't put that out there. So they're just going off of, this girl must be good. She, somebody else told me about them. So when people started actually coming and then people were paying a couple hundred dollars a month to train with me, I was like, holy crap, people are really doing this. Like they are really giving me money and they don't get a product. Like it was, <laughs> it was really, um, it was really interesting um, to me. And it wasn't enough to, for me to open up the, uh, the studio um, at first. Um, but it was just really eye-opening and it was like, I remember even starting back then, like somebody, a, a client didn't like the progress that they weren't making and them asking for their money back. And mm. I really, and I, and I gave them their money back and I was just like, you know, thinking about it, like a year or two later, I was like, that's crazy that I did that. Um, like that was an <laughs> interesting um, point. I think um, it was another point in which, you know, I had been training for two years and I was like, I'm about to open up my own studio, which I wanted to do um, when I first started. Cause I was like, I'm not going to be working a full-time job and doing this on the side, which I saw a lot of, you know, trainers do, which were men. So it's yeah. still usually, it's still more so a man dominated, a man dominated industry. And so I was like, I don't want to do that. This is about to be my full time business. I'm going to open up my own studio. So I did 
um, within two years. Um, but I wasn't ready financially to, to do it. But I figured I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to be really, truly financially ready. Um, and so I just did it. And of course, everything worked itself out. Um, so that was a really big point to me um, that I opened it up um, when I didn't think that I was ready. Um, but that's I really, a, truly a, was ready. Yeah, that's a big point because, you know, a lot of people feel that that feeling. That feeling's always in everybody's head. Like, I'm not ready. You know, I'm not ready. Right. And right. how do we really even know until we until we try it? Um, so that's, exactly. that's, that's awesome. And I know that, um, you know, you, you, right now you're doing like, you're working with hundreds and hundreds of people virtually in person groups, boot camps. How did you decide to scale it? Was what was your strategic plan to scale it? Was it word of mouth or, uh, did you have a strategic plan on scaling your brand, your business, your name? So it was truly word of mostly word of mouth. Um, but I was very heavy on advertising, um, not just um, through social media. So that was one medium, but I tended to do a lot in the community um, speaking as well. So I was really big on gaining exposure um, for what I did and um making sure to connect with other uh, companies. Mm -hmm. um, I would do free stuff uh, from time to time, like volunteer. Um, and what happened with that is when I would start doing free stuff, I would be getting paid stuff too. So yeah. there's always somebody in the audience who would be like, hey, I would like for you to come speak here. Mm -hmm. Hey, um, my sorority is having something. We do that. Hey, my church is doing something. Um, and so it would just be like I would sell myself and then speaking and doing different things, the word would get out about me even when I wasn't in places, I, even when I wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so that helped out a lot. Um, my studio is in a, um, it's in a good location. So that would be fourth or fifth down the line. Um, but I definitely get people on a decent boulevard to find out um, about me. Um, Google helped a lot, too. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, when people come in for training, you know, you ask how they found out about you. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people do Google searches. Um, so mm -hmm. that was able to, to come up as well. But I think the main thing would be word of mouth. And then me opening a business was at a time when social media was, was prevalent, which helped out uh, tremendously. Mm. Um, but it, it was more so to me, the word of, uh, the word of mouth. And then my before and after picture sold myself. Yeah. So, um, because, and then also because most of my clients are black women, it helps that I can empathize with them more because I've been there. Also, I'm not a size two. Um, and mm -hmm. so I think that helps for people to feel more comfortable around me. Um, uh, a lot of times if someone has trained with another trainer, unfortunately, like sometimes they would say like the man who'd be flirting with them yeah. and they had to stop training. Um, they just did not feel comfortable. Um, but oftentimes women tend to feel more comfortable uh, around me. And I also we share a similar experience. 
mm-hmm. um, with weight and with with race. So that yeah. helps out a lot too. Makes sense. Um, and I'm going to have a couple more questions. I'll let Don and Max jump in. i let them boys get off mute. But um, all right, the first thing is, do you feel that your vulnerability and, and like putting yourself and your story out there, first of all, did it help? And second of all, what gave you the courage to do that? Was it something that you've seen outside of that to do those type of things like that? Write a book, talk about it, go speak. But just basically put your story, your real life out there for the world to to digest and take. Um, how did that how did that play into it and how did you decide to do that? Yeah, so it took me a while to get to do that. Um, so I did not lead with my before picture or me being overweight, um, like visually, like in pictures and stuff. Yeah. So I like tell people and like let's say if they came for an assessment then I might show them pictures um, mm-hmm. or I would show other, I would show my other client, my previous clients or current clients, their before picture, but I wasn't comfortable with it. So I'm still trying to come into my own. Like I'm like, I like talking with exercise, but yeah. even back then I didn't feel like I looked apart because I wasn't 135 pounds. Um, like I didn't have like a six pack. Yeah. Um, and you compare yourself to people. And so I was like, um, I'm just not there yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> and so, but I'm, as, as the more I start to do it and the more I talk to people, like they love that I'm on the thicker side. They love that I have. And so, and then also to people who are quote unquote unfit, if you are, if you're just fit, you look seriously fit to them. So my, and I can be a hard grader on myself, which I think a lot of people can be, you know, hard on themselves. I'm thinking I'm so far away from the, you know, the super chiseled person, but to your average black woman, I'm pretty fit. And so I'm like, gosh, you just, you lead with that. You lead with that. And so, and the more you gain, you know, like, I'm not like new in the game anymore. I'm like three, four years in. I'm like, Tasha, put it out there. You're, you're fine. And so Mm -hmm. I finally got to a place when I'm comfortable with it. And of course I am very transparent about where I was and what was going on. I was so much more relatable. Um, And obviously that helps like, and never I post a before and after picture, of course, more people are going to contact me about training and stuff like that. Um, And it's good. I've never had to do any cold calls. I haven't never had to contact people about training. Um, People have always trained, just reached out to me um, from another number of different ways. So, you know, that's good, but it took me a while to get there and I'm glad I all, I wanted to do it, but I had to do it when I felt comfortable and after then, you know, it's, it's very easy. And I always talk from an overcoming perspective. I never talk about like, well, you should, you know, um, you need to do this and that's that. No, it's like, I know the glass seems half full or half empty, but I need you to look at this from a different perspective. So it's always from an overcoming perspective because we're all facing some type of demons. We're all trying to get over or through something and this is how you you need to look at it and this is how i did it and this is what i'm currently doing so i tell people like if i 
if I change my lifestyle, I can revert back. Like I didn't have surgery. There is no chip in me. Um, and so that's why I needed to create the book. It's an extension of that on a longer version because a lot of times people just put up a before and after picture. You got the infomercial, like I lost this weight, but nobody talks about the journey, the transition. And I had to get that in a book so people know the transition, what was going on before I lost weight, during and afterwards. Being relatable, being touchable, being just like somebody that it feel like I could have been, I, that could, that was me. That was me. Like that, that type of situation I don't think is like a lot of people are on yeah. Instagram. And that's the thing I don't understand about the Instagram people that are having so much success is that they're selling almost like hoop dreams. You know, they're almost selling hoop dreams yeah. because they show all these different types of things that they do and all these different things. Like, I, I don't yeah. want I, I don't want to really be trained by nobody like that, to be honest with you. Cause I don't think that's where I want to be at in life in general. So, um, yeah, no, definitely, definitely relatable yeah. and attainable is, is is great for 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 yeah. um, you know how your business is growing for, for sure. Last question, and I'm gonna let Dom and Max jump in here. How has the UVA network, if at all, helped you post post college? So, good question. It hasn't really helped. Um, it it hasn't helped me, but I haven't tried to get help per se. Um, so I don't have, I can't necessarily blame, um, (laughs) UVA because you, you need to, it's a relationship. It's a dual, (laughs) it takes two to tango. So, so I can't, I can't say that, uh, for sure. Um, so I try to, when I remember like, Oh, I need to be doing this or I need to do that. And then I never do. Um, so, so no, I, I can't really give you any information on that one. Sounds good. Cause we always like, you know, they, well, we always talk about and every guest we like to ask that because we talk about how they say the UVA network is probably one of the biggest recruiting tools of coming to UVA, but we really haven't found mm-hmm. too many, too many people being able to use it outside of um, this. So that's one of the reasons for us creating this who's where series is for UVA alumni to connect. Yeah. So, um, right. Gotcha, That's one of the goals. Gotcha. So, Don, Max, what you guys have for Tasha? Um, I got two things. First, just the overall observation that um, you being a trainer and starting your training business, I commend you for uh, your your client base. Like, a lot of people starting out are, like, the trainer's family members or, like, close friends, but it seems like you was, you was able to build new customers that, you know, create new relationships that – like yeah. organically, not from your family. So that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. And then yeah. um, also with, you know, we're talking about the saturated, the saturated market of training and all that. So how, how valuable do you, um, how valuable do you um, think certifications are and how many do you have? Good. Uh, that's a good question. I feel like it depends on where you decide to train. So in my 11 years of training, maybe three people have asked me about my certifications. Like, that's it. Like, no one cares. Like, <laughs> they don't care. Like, they just want to see whether or not you look, how you look, and what work you've done. So, like, that's it. Like, nobody cares. kind of like sometimes with some jobs, like, they don't care what GPA you had. They just, do you have a degree? Okay. And so now that might be different if you worked at a gym, but I was never interested in working at a gym 
because I just felt the gym didn't really care about the person. They just cared about sales, like getting people in the door. Um, and I wanted to have the capability to charge people different prices. Um, you can't necessarily do that when you work for the man who owns the gym. Like the gym is like, this is what we're going to do. You get a percentage, I get a percentage. And I'm like, no. So I, um, I, 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 that, that, that didn't play that type of a role. Um, and then what was I going to say? Yeah, but you asked me about the certifications. And what was the other question you had? How many do you have? If you have any. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I have yeah. three three certifications, uh, a personal trainer one um, with ACE, uh, American Council on Exercise, and then the American College of Sports Medicine. I have a fitness instructor, like a group instructor certification, and then also through ACE. I have a fitness nutrition specialist uh, certification as well. Oh, and I keep so I keep those up, but I don't. The thing is, I don't necessarily need to, but I'm just a stickler for stuff like that. Um, I feel like we always like you can get in a rut in trying to manage the day to day, and then you also wanting to look at stuff from a macro level. To, to propel the business forward that you can really, you know, get in your own way. So it's good for you to have reminders to be like, hey, you you could use time to brush up on X, Y, and Z. Even though you think you you a G and all, you could stand <laughs> a refresher. Um, and so even this past week, this past week I went to a, a course in selling. Um, and I feel like I'm a pretty decent salesperson for what I do, but I can always refresh on that. I can always, like, when I first started my business, I was not comfortable in discussing money with people. I was like, oh, no. And so I took it upon myself to sign up for sales classes, like, in the area. Like, for six months, I paid out of pocket so people can tell me how to ask people for money. Um, That's cool. And so, this is kind of touch. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Go, go ahead. No, that was it. Oh, all right. Yeah, let me, jump, let me, jump, about, let me uh, jump in real quick, Dom. Joe, what you about to say, man? I want to talk about my certification story. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I was gonna. I was gonna bring it to a, a place we were talking about last week because she's talking about how she's brushing up on her weaknesses, Max. You know oh, what yeah. I'm saying? To to be, oh, to become goodness. a whole a whole player in here. So um, it just you know. You got you to refer to the podcast last week, you know what I'm talking about. But um, <laughs> bringing that up also made me want to ask you, so do you think you had, like, what is your specialty? Like, weight loss or, like, cross-training? Like, what is your, like, training, personal training, like, identity? Like, the best thing you do good? Do Great good question. or do well? Do yeah, well, my Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Hey, man, I ain't yeah, to out of my dad, but it's definitely we do well. We ain't on the debate, man. I ain't on the debate stage. My bad, y'all. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say uh, body fat loss, not necessarily weight loss, but like body fat loss. Um, because um, my focus um, well, with my workouts, they're, they're mostly focused on strength training. So there's definitely cardio in there, but not from 
like you're not going to be on the elliptical or you know like for 20 minutes like in my workout like we don't have time for that um it's more so about there's some high intensity interval training and it's about building our muscle strength our metabolism um so with that there is more of a body fat percentage loss as opposed to us uh being on the, I don't know, the treadmill or the stair stepper for an hour in order to just lose uh, a lot of, you know, to, to burn a whole lot of calories. Um, I find that a lot of times women, they're just weaker in, in our upper bodies, and we need to gain strength uh, to help improve our physique um, and also to help increase our metabolism. So my focus is more so on body fat, um, strength training and high intensity interval um, workouts. So, that's what's before, up, before Max asks this question, let me Go get ahead, my Chief. story. Let me get my story in here, man. Yeah, we I, can never, I, I swear, we, I can never get my questions out. We, hey, we running a little long anyway. <laughs> we running a little long. Yeah, anyways, it is. Bro. I always look oh, Max. Max never asked no questions because y'all be hogging the mic. I'm giving you some extra time to think of your question because I know you don't got no good question. Reclaim. Uh, I, I, I got two great questions. Reclaim your time, man. All right, so here we go. I got, I got, so here, I got two great questions. So, so here we go. So this is my certification story. So, all right. Um, I played in the NFL or whatever. After I get done in the NFL, then I am back in Kentucky and I'm training some people, training some kids. Everybody mm-hmm. wants their kids to train, right? So I'm training some athletes, right. training some football players, all those different type of things like that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the NFL, so I'm not getting an NFL check. So this is a little nice little side income working in the evenings, uh, that type of situation. So then me and my, uh, well, I try to build a little infrastructure. You know, if you know me, I'm always never, I'm always trying to get my hands off of the situation eventually. So I start, I start having tra- trainers underneath of me. <laughs> start having trainers underneath of me, man. And, uh, okay. yeah. So then me and my partner is about three or four of us. And, um, he's like, Hey man, uh, you know why there's a new YMCA open across the street. I said, all right, I'm about to go pitch. I'm about to go pitch, uh, I'm about to go pitch uh, like sports training, like an athletic trainer to to the YMCA, you know? So I went over there. I meet with them. They're hyped. They're like, oh, you play in the NFL? You know, I'm from Lexington, Kentucky. Not too many people play in the NFL. You play in the NFL? No, no, no. It's a great background. Do you have any certifications? I said, certifications? <laughs> certifications? Like, I've been training my whole life. I think I got to understand. I think I got to understand what we need to do here. So um, right. long story short, my partner comes up with this fake certification thing that was like $25 online. He was like, let's do this. Let's just take the test and see if we if we see if this thing will pass. So I did it. Got my certification. I sent over this certification. It was like NCQR Athletic Certified. You know what I'm saying? It was like some <laughs> random acronym. And I sent it to YMCA. Right. And they're like, we, we never heard of this one. We're looking for more of something like uh, <laughs> NASM or something like that. And I was like, hey, you know, those programs are like year-long programs, six-month programs, something like that. And uh, and it costs a lot of money, so I was like, "Nah, I'm good." So if y'all ain't gonna take this, and long story short, I've never got any job I've ever applied for. So if, if I ever bring up an application story, I always get denied. So, so this is one of my denials, <laughs> man. YMCA <laughs> athletic trainer denied. <laughs> so, oh my uh, gosh! So that's my. And uh, they, like you said, they are pretty stick. Like even from back in the day, they were like sticklers for you have to do have this or you might have or they had like their own training i think like that you had to go through um to be a trainer and i was just like they don't even make a lot like 
that, that was another reason why I was like, I can't make a living off of doing this because I wanted to make a living doing it. I was like, I, I, this isn't going to cut it. Like, yeah. that's why I was like, I got to do my own. I got to create my own. I was like, um, I was like, man, first of all, y'all don't know anybody else that played right. professional sports <laughs> right, right, right. that's going to be they training. Yeah, like, and they were they were so hyped before it. I told them I don't have no certifications. They were so hyped. They was like, we're going to give you a Saturday program. We're going to give you a Saturday program. It's going to be kids and all this type of stuff. I'm like, it sounds good. As long as the pay is okay, then I'm just looking for extra side income at the moment. I'll do it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Then it came down to the paperwork, and they were like, we ain't never heard of this one. <laughs> we never heard of this one. Oh so I'm like, God. all right, man. So, Max, what you got, man? What's your questions? Yeah, so my first question, uh, Tasha, you know, being in the industry, it seems like it's it's pretty much about, you know, they're coming to train with Tasha. What's your plan, and how do you expand but keep the same quality control over, you know, the, the product that you're giving out? So, good question. It's kind of what I'm uh, looking to do. Um, now, so I have, I have of course thought about having another studio, but uh, I know that you, some of you, all, like you, have had people underneath you. Like, good health is pretty hard to have. I've had, I've found it to be pretty hard. Um, and then for people that who have um, more than one brick and mortar uh, spot for whatever business, I find like they aren't. You the, the the amount of quality is is hard to replicate in in two different places because you're not there, so it's kind of like you're kind of giving half and half to places or thirds to places um, as opposed to a hundred percent because you are not there, um, and so I feel like they're also more burnt out, like they're running back and forth trying to do this, that, and the third. Uh, and so that has question, uh, been something for me. And then also, as more stuff has moved to be going online, it does it behoove me to have two brick and mortar places. Also, when my book came out uh, three years ago, I was doing a lot of speaking. So I was having trainers. Um, so I have three trainers who help me. Um, they're independent contractors that I might substitute in if I have to speak somewhere or do different things. Um, and so I found that it was uh, harder to, or I didn't need them as much because I, um, I'm doing more stuff outside of the studio. I wanted to do more stuff outside of the studio. Um, and so opening another space didn't make sense and I would just be doing it just to say, oh, I got two locations. So people would ask me that. I was like, well, why don't you have two? And I'm like, I don't have anything to prove to people. If if it made good business sense for what I'm trying to do, then it made sense, but it didn't make sense to me. Um, so that was where I was for the past two, three years. Now I'm looking to possibly um, – do more. So I've been doing, trying out boot camps um, in different areas. So different, whether it be churches or schools, they have wanted a teacher fitness boot camp there. Um, and I still host the one at my studio. So I have been not necessarily um, opening facilities, but opening my program, which is called like the Well Body Series in different places. 
um, which is very, which is less overhead um, and, you know, expenses, but still is able to be replicated in different areas. Um, and then also when the, I have the other clients, the other trainers who might be training, they have to train the way that I train. So at first I used to just let them do whatever they wanted to because they're great trainers. But now when I'm trying to replicate things in different areas, I want them to keep the same type of training um, that I have. Um, And this year I'm looking to do more of that whenever I'm able to, you know, we we're able to host larger gatherings. I'll be looking to, to, to try that more um, so that I would like to scale back on the hours of personal training and increase the hours of the boot camps because I can pay, I can receive slash make more money in an hour that way than doing the small group personal training. So. Oh, gotcha. Yes. Yeah. I tried to go to that model uh, when I was with my football players. I started adding them up. I said, hey, it's gonna be, I'm going to need about 12 of y'all here. I'm going to need about 12 of y'all here, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I understand yeah, it's, that. Um, it's definitely, you know, if you can train a, a, a larger amount of people at a time, that's good. Um, it's just you want to make sure that it's still good quality yeah. um, at that time period. As long as you can make that, I'm like, go for it. Um um, so I get it. Max, did you have two questions? You said you had two questions. You was coming here with big stuff like, I got two questions. Now you, I only heard one. Did anybody else have two? Oh, that was a good question, though. I, I, give, I give that. Nah, that's because you know what I'm saying? Y'all cut, y'all cut me off again, Chase, you know, before I could even get my second question out. And now I'll just... It was a long pause. We was waiting for you. It was, it was a long pause. <laughs> I just jumped in there. Yeah, we was waiting for you to follow up. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. We was waiting for you to follow up. Look, look, you know, say, hey, you got to worry, worry about your transitions. You know, the questions don't match with each other. But anyway, the second question, if I'm so really interrupted, uh, I was just basically wondering, you know, what would you tell somebody who's like a little self-conscious to start, uh, you know, with a trainer because they feel, well, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing and I don't want them to think yeah. that I'm just, you know, inadequate. You know, what would you kind of tell somebody in that in that state? So I definitely, so all trainers have different styles of training. So there is no one like you have to do this specifically this way. So even like on social, you see like people might start different ways and different ways, um, a unique way to grip handle or it, it doesn't matter. So you can really, if you, if you like what you do and you know, you think that you do a pretty good job initially, just fake it till you make it. Like there is no, like there is no authority to me for real. Like you have to do it this way. You you want to provide a safe and a an effective and challenging workout for wherever this person is along their fitness journey. You don't necessarily need to go for style, although you know that's highly what you see on Instagram. Um, you don't need to have a big booty for a woman. You don't need to with guys. You don't need to be doing back lifts and all this stuff like. What people really do need is something to make them feel better than when they did from when they first came into the to the gym. They need to leave out feeling much better than where they than when they came in. That's what you go for. Um, so just lead with that. 
and make it make it fun, um, but also make it challenging. So you want it to be fun so people want to continue to come back. You want it to be challenging so people can see progress, so they continue to train with you and you can still get money. Um, so you want those two things to, to coincide and just let the rest take care of itself. I know when I first started, I had one client that wasn't a sports athlete or that wasn't an athlete. And I, I soon realized that was not for me. I soon realized that was not for me. Man. We, we, so the non, had, the non-sports athlete. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't do it. So, uh, I yeah. kind of pushed, I kind of pushed my, uh, my fellow, uh, trainers. I'll get these clients, but you're going to train them. Cause, cause I, I was a, uh, I like to push the guys to, uh, to failure and they didn't look like that. So, so, uh, so, so, so that's, a, that's important so that you know what your niche is. So yeah. like people will contact me about like they do competition and yeah. they wanted to do a competition. I, that is not my specialty. So I will refer you to somebody else who does that. Yeah. I, now I have trained athletes for sure. Um, especially, you know, there's a lot of athletes that come out of UV, I mean, uh, out of Virginia. And so they might come home for the summer, whether it be football players, basketball players, um, you got college athletes who come over the summer. So they would train with me, but they know that's not what I do. And I don't do them regularly, um, yeah. on a consistent basis. So if they were trying to get consistent training, I would refer them out. Um, yeah. but that you just that's just you just know your strengths. So that that would be the same with me. I would refer some people out um if that's you know th- that's not what I specialize in. So that totally makes sense. So could that way that you can build yourself up as an expertise as an expert in that in that space. Um so for sure. Did you ever have any issues? This is the last question. I know we're going over this is over an hour almost. So um did you ever have any issue with pricing? Did you ever have any pushback? Because you did say you have a lot of black clientele and things of that nature. I hate to say that. Throw yeah. it out there. But did you ever have any, <laughs> <laughs> any issue with Yo, pricing? Funny. You you funny. wrong for that, Chase. So no, I think I think it's a great uh, a great question. So I'll say this. So there can be given the area that I live, so um fitness is not a huge, huge thing in the Hampton Roads area. Okay, it's not a major metropolitan city. Okay, so you you have that factor in too. So that means that there are a number of people who have not had personal trainers before. Um, and so I always ask people, have you had a trainer before and what's your budget? Um, so the thing is, by the time somebody comes to the studio for an assessment, they have a pretty good idea of expectations, price, and things of that nature. And some people... Um, I, I I can't give you a good percentage, but obviously there will be people like, you know, well, that's too, that that's too expensive for me. Um, you can get that. Um, but for every person that says that there's always somebody is like, okay. And that's where it goes to people understanding the value and you letting you being a good storyteller slash expert on you letting people know the value of what is in this because it's something that's not tangible. So you, you want to make sure that somebody understands what it is they're getting. And if afterwards, if the price is too much for them, then they are not your client. 
They're, they're, they are not your client, um, regardless of if they are black or white. That's what I was trying um, to get at. Do you ever lower your price for anybody? Because I got into the fact of trying to like take care of kids and things of that nature. No, I don't worry. You good. You know what I'm saying? So, like that type of situation. Yeah. So yours might be a little different because you're working with, uh, you might be, you're working with people, youth, right? Yeah. So I will say youth, I charge them. If anybody is less than 18, they have a different price than an adult okay. because um, that, that's just what I've decided to do with my, um, with my business. But in terms of your question, lowering my price, I do not. Um, I've rarely asked somebody to go down in price. Somebody has asked me to go down in price and I haven't. Then I would re-explain to them the value of it. I don't lower my price. Um, because when, now I would give somebody, let's say if somebody is a recurring client, like they've stopped and maybe they come back, I might give them a little bit of a discount, but it's not, it, it can't, it can't even be 10 or it can't even be 10%. It might be 5% or something like that. Yeah. Um, you came back, but what you don't want to do is, and when people try to lower the price, oftentimes they are the people who might be your most challenging client. You end up putting on more, more work yeah. for that person because they don't value what's going on. They're just looking for uh, a discount. When mm -hmm. you're looking to put in your all, and what I also don't do is I don't half-ass the people who are paying a lower price than the people who are paying a higher price. Like, right. you're still going to get great service all the way around. People who come twice a week is going to get the same as the people who come three times a week. Um, so, but to lower my price? No, when I tell you this is the price, that's what it is. Um, mm, I like it. Yeah, I, I, I just can't. I, I just can't. I don't offer, and I don't offer discounts. So you can look on my Instagram page, and you're not going to see, like, we have for this month 25% off. I, mm -hmm. Like, I, I just have never done that. And that that might be a negative. It, it could, I don't know. Um, but I've never done it because there's too much of a value. Yeah. And then as you continue to do it year after year, you become more of an expert. Um, so why am I, why would I discount when I know I'm good? Yeah. So, well, what stood out to me was you said that that's not your customer. You know, if those are your prices, that's not your customer. So, you know, saying yeah. knowing who you are, being oh, comfortable. Oh, oh, your, oh, oh, Chase, what, 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 what was that? Are you sure? I was actually about to bring that up. I was actually about to, I was actually about to bring that up, Max. I was actually about to bring that up. So, so Max, you know what I'm saying? That might not be your customer. You know what I'm saying? That might not be your customer. So, we had a big debate last week about pricing. So, that's why I wanted to ask you about your pricing. Yeah, I figured. I figured. So, that's good. So, that's awesome, Tasha. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you sharing your knowledge and your business and your expertise. I hope everybody that's listening, got something out of this. And um, hopefully you get some new clients off of this. Hopefully this is another word of mouth opportunity for you. So uh, since we have a lot of UVA listeners, a lot of 757 listeners, um, so let everybody know where they can reach you at, how they can get in touch if they want to start with you and different types of things like that. Yeah, um, I, I would say the best way, I mean, if you were on Instagram, I am a T2 underscore Tasha, the letter T, the number two underscore Tasha. You can also check out my business page on there. 
T2 underscore fitness. You can DM me or if not, you can just look on my page for motivation, um, workouts, recipes. I'm a healthy foodie. Um, I am just trying to teach people how to consistently improve their health. Um, and of course, my website is myt2fitness.com. If you have a question about training or just a question about how we can live a healthier life, hit me up. I'm here. Awesome. And before we get off here, I just want to check in because Max, he had a he had a New Year's resolution that he was going to lose weight. Max, where you at? Check in, Max. Hey, baby, I'm down 13 pounds, man. Look, I'm oh, all right. right now. Oh, yeah. oh, we got to check those yep. numbers. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Good for you, hey, Max, man. 13 good, pounds. Man. I got 27 more to go, baby. 27 more? Good for you, awesome. man. 27 more. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to get out of here. Gas of the week, man. Gas of the week this week is sometimes you have to go through bad to get to better. And that's in life. That's now with the coronavirus. Like, there's things on the opposite side of this situation. So, you know, don't be scared to go through it. Not around it, not over it, not under it. Through it is where the, is, is yeah. where the, is where the growth comes from. Through it is where the growth comes from. So that's the gas of the week, guys. Tasha, we appreciate you being on here. We'll holler at everybody next week. Yeah. on Instagram at CTC Podcast. Catch you next week.